Hey, Dasher, where'd you get all the cash? More adventures. They had no cash, these men of his village, had spent their whole lives laboring for the smell of a pound. They walked half the distance to kill free that first night, then made camp on the side of the road. He feared at first they did it for his sake. It had been many years since he'd walked fifteen miles in a day, and never in shoes, wobbling openly from the blisters by the time they stopped. But no, he was relieved to see they laid their burdens down by a familiar copse, the stumps on the circle of charred earth from old fires there like a fairy ring. He realized this was part of the adventure, too, camping out on the road like tinkers, the wind rustling in the trees over their heads, telling themselves for a night that they were free men. The talk and laughter around the fire seemed constrained at first, in the presence of the schoolmaster's son. He was frantic to make sure it wasn't, giving out with the two whole bottles of the white bush his old man had made sure to slip into his duffel for just this purpose, fixing him with his hard look. This is for making friends, not for you. Nobody likes a drunken man. He passed them both around liberally that night, though he had intended to save one for the boat. They wondered at its smoothness, their own small flasks filled with the raw poteen made out in the bogs behind the school, all they had ever had in their lives. Ah, you can feel how that goes down. And as the night went on, their reserve fell away, sharing their food around the fire. The talk gayer and the voices rising manned at the start of journey, telling stories and singing the old songs traveling Dr. Shop and Kilkelly, and assuring him of the high regard they had for his father. A cork man they couldn't see fitting at first until he married Pat Peggy's daughter and built his own house right among them, and helped out each year with the mehill. Talk he didn't want and was embarrassed by, but was pleased to hear anyway on the soft October night, so much the way he had always pictured it. The next day they made the train at Kilfree. A wooden toy of a train, he understood later, laboring like the devil up and down the low hills, taking six hours to get them to the coast, where they caught the boat for Liverpool. A ragged excitement running through the travelers even there, so soon after the Athenia. Do you think we'll be torpedoed then? Ah, no, never. The Jerrys want us on their side. Us, is it? You think we matter to them more than a flea on a pig's backside? All of it spoken with a confidence unique to those absolutely ignorant of a situation. There were lifeboat drills, and on deck a soldier in full gear, with bayonet and washbasin helmet, much to the sniggering delight of the spalpeens. Grim gray destroyers knifing through the seas off both sides, signal flags bristling in the stiff wind a startling change to the ageless world he had just left. He walked the deck the whole time, taking it all in, delighted to find that he kept his stomach, even on the choppy crossing. Then they were over, the men from home chirping their goodbyes as they went to catch their train to the south. Whistling as they went, cheerful about the war, sure they would get a good wage with all the English lads off to play soldier boy. It was easy enough for him to get a ship for much the same reason. The tramps all desperate for hands. Hired on without so much as a question about his experience. 
though he knew he must have looked as out of place as a bishop in a brothel. He was indeed the worst sailor alive, something Charlie twitted him about ever after. He set his hand at almost everything, like the rest of their ragbag crew, and was good at none of it. The work more exhausting than he could have possibly imagined. Stoking the boilers for a watch, proud to be doing it because he knew that Charlie had once done the same thing all the way from New York down to Rio de Janeiro and back. His father reading his letter about it to them all, over the kitchen table. A crew like that, and it's no wonder you miss the torpedoes. Charlie liked to tease him later. The Jerry's couldn't tell which way you'd steer the thing. When they made New York Harbor, the captain, half dead on the bridge from work and worry, he fairly danced about the deck to take it all in. The Frenchman's statue, sure, with its green arm held aloft, halfway between a...